Yes, Lord, we always need to have you breathe on us, your Holy Spirit who empowers us to take the gospel into all the world, to bring souls into the kingdom. Lord God, breathe in us today a fresh, reviving spirit. Lord, fan the flames of the coals in our lives and bring us back to you. Let us fall madly in love with you once again. If our love has waxed away, bring us back, Holy Spirit. Breathe in us a fresh breath. We know the wind of God, the breath of God, raised a mighty army from dry, dead bones. And we know that you can bring life into each and every person, Lord, that wants to know you. Lord, today, breathe in us as we study from your word and as we refresh ourselves in the worship that we just had with you. Lord, to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated, everyone. God bless you. For those online, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe. That song you just heard, you you know, uh, was um, written just uh, a couple weeks ago. So, so uh, you know, if you if you hear it again, it was first sung here. <laughs> and that's the first time Max was up front playing along to get the guitar. So, you know, Lord is is a blessing. That's that's the truth. Listen. Um, for those online, you're listening to Freedom Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We have a second audience that comes in right now, so so I wanted to re- remind you who, who we are. Freedom Church, we're in West Palm Beach, Florida, Southwest Palm Beach, really. We're in Lantana. So if you're local, you, you know the area. Get on I-95, go to High Paluxo Road, head west about a quarter mile. We're on the north side of the road, which is actually Lantana, the opposite side of High Paluxo is Boynton Beach, so you all know that. If you're local, come on by and see us. If you're not local, tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m. to freedomchurchpb.org, and, and we'll be there, and uh, you can listen to our messages. Um, you know, for, for all those online, you know, are online now, you get your Bibles. We're in Exodus chapter 32, and we're doing the 22nd through the 32nd verse. This is actually the third week in those 10 verses. And just before that, you know, there was uh, a deliverance message. I think it took two weeks. And just before that was the Beatitudes. It took three weeks. So, you know, the Lord is setting us up here for, for something. I don't know what it is. But, you know, after I preached on the Beatitudes and took the whole, you know, took a look at the spiritual side of it, we, the Lord led us to deliverance because I was going to continue in Matthew on the 26th chapter, I believe, and uh, I got stopped for a deliverance message. That was two weeks ago, and in the past two weeks, four people in this church have been delivered from demonic forces. Do you believe that? This little church, this little church. You know, we have a niche that a lot of churches don't have. You know, because you have a pastor that believes in deliverance. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe they're operational for today. You know, just 
Acts never ends. The book of Acts never ends. You can read it. You know, Paul goes on preaching the gospel in his rented quarters. And that's still going on today. So anyway, um, you know, for those online, you can check our beliefs out. We're a full gospel, Bible-believing church. We love the Lord with all of our hearts. And uh, he's the reason why we are here. He's the reason why we are here. So online, you can read our beliefs. You can check out our messages from years past. You can watch them. You can see our list of ministries. You can even give online. So, um, you know, if the Lord leads you, please do so. I have news for you. If you don't give cheerfully, don't give. You won't hear that from many pulpits. I'm just telling you, you God wants a cheerful giver. So, um, you know, just do what the Lord tells you to do and be sensitive to the Spirit and all things are, are well. Listen, uh, we stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. For those of you local, come on by. You have the address right there. For those of you who aren't local, you're who knows where, Connecticut, New, 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 uh, New York, you name it. You know, you can tune in at 10 a.m. Um, and people do that. We get people around the world. Right now, well, you know, I want to, does everybody know Fanny? Fanny, stand up. Fanny is from Nicaragua. And we, she actually supports this church. And you know what? She listens in when she's in Nicaragua. She's up here for a year. So make, or for not for a year, but for a couple months. So anybody, you know, say hi to Fanny. If you're drinking coffee today, the pot back there is coffee from Nicaragua. <laughs> and it's good. I had a half a cup. It's really good. So thank you, Nan and Fanny. It's good to see her again because she's been a while before she was here. So it's nice. Um, on another note, um, I don't know if any of you have been watching TV or Internet, you can see that the Jesus Revolution movie is out. Okay? It's a Calvary Chapel startup, the Jesus Revolution, the Times Magazine. It's about Chuck Smith and the hippies on the beach getting saved left and right, throwing down their drugs and finally putting shoes on their feet, you know. And uh, it's, uh, it's all about that. And I'm, I'm ordained under Calvary Chapel. So, you know, Chuck Smith, I've met a couple of times. Nice, nicest guy you ever want to meet. You know what's funny about that? I went to Chuck one day after he preached in Fort Lauderdale, and, and I asked him a question, and he answered the question. And about, I don't know if it was the same day or two days later or what, it was a seminar for the Bible college students, and uh, Chuck was there, and I went up to him again, and he immediately said, Hi, Joe, how are you? And I'm there like, how do you remember my name? There's 500 people here, you know. How do you remember my name? He's a great, great guy. So if you want to see how Calvary Chapel started, should be the heartbeat of every church around. You know, people were complaining. They're wearing their bare feet in the church, and, and they're wearing out our carpet and making it dirty, and Chuck said, just rip out the carpet. What do you value more, carpet or people's souls? That was the heart of the Calvary Chapel movement. So... Um, Go see that movie if you can. It's playing right down here in Boynton, 14. You know, I wanted to go yesterday, but we ended up, you know, uh, going to her mother's house, Liz's mom's house, um, and uh, I didn't make it, which I'd like to make it today. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's playing Monday or Tuesday. It's about Greg Laurie's life, too. Greg Laurie was one of the hippies that got saved in that batch, and if you know anything about Christianity or Calvary Chapel, you know about Greg Laurie. One of the favorite books that I read that he wrote many books, 
uh, was the upside down church. We need to be turned right side up again, you know, because we're upside down from from uh, where we should be headed, headed in God's direction. Um, everybody knows that, you know, Liz is not here today. She wasn't here last week. Her mom had passed away last Saturday at 5.55. The memorial is going to be next, this coming Saturday at uh, the funeral home at Kirk and 10th, 10th Avenue North. Um, she's just not up to coming around. If she was here with all you guys, you know, going up to her, she would be crying, <laughs> you know. So um, anyway, uh, her mother's name was Marzaret Vega, and which it translates, from what I understand, to Edith in, in English. So um, um, she's going to be buried up there. You know, they, they tossed around, should I do it here, should we do it here? But, you know, just before she passed away, I prayed, and I just broke out, broke down. I loved her. She's a beautiful, godly woman. So, But she was, on the March 4th, when we're doing her memorial, is actually her 85th birthday. So the church, you know, the family decided to do that. So I just want to let you know that. Keep Liz in prayer and the family in prayer. It will help a lot. So uh, her mom was a good Christian. She got one of her Bibles, Spanish Bibles, yesterday. They gave it to her. And one of the grandsons got another Bible, her main one that she read a lot. So Liz can read Spanish, so it actually is going to end up on a shelf, <laughs> you know. So great. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah, um, let me look at my list here. Yeah, that's about it. Oh, there's a couple other things. You know, we never take an offering. There's boxes in the back. There's a Gospel of John in the pew in front of you in the pocket. Take it. Give it to somebody. Um, my book that I wrote is in the back about faith. Just take it for nothing and take one of these silver trays that somebody gave us, you know, for, for uh, to give away with the book. So, um, you know, it's, um, it's a good book. It's a called About Faith, Wake Up Call for the Church. And I believe... Just like you, you go watch the Jesus Revolution, it's time for revival in America to wake our politicians up, to wake the Christian church up, to wake uh, people up in general. So it's time. It's time. And, you know, maybe God will open up uh, another uh, revolution. And not a revolution with guns and swords, but a revolution with the Word of God. It's going to change the nation back to where we should be. Um, also, I mentioned my deliverance message I had a couple weeks ago on the back table. This is, uh, I taught this yesterday at the men's Bible study because the guys there never heard it because they don't come to this church. You know, yeah, nobody there from this church. Everybody was from another church. Um, but anyway, I taught it yesterday. I only got not even halfway through it, but it's important. You know, God, Jesus didn't come to just save your soul, but he came to deliver you. And you don't believe that? Check out Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, and forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, delivers your life from the pit, and your sins are forgiven. So, so um, you know, you can't do one or two of those things without doing the third. You know, deliver, deliver you f your, from your diseases. And why not believe that? The gospel goes on. The Bible is alive and well. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And these flyers are on the back page, on the back table also. 
And it's folded, I folded it in half long ways because this is one points and this is the other points. And something that needs to be done. Unforgiveness, un, unconfessed sin, messing around with the occult is, is your top runners up and why, why you need delivered. You need delivered from the hand of the enemy, even from the sins of the forefathers that passed on down the generation. And it's a study that if I put that on, I mentioned it last week, I mentioned the men's group yesterday. If I taught this from a lot of churches, it'd come up and grab me and pull me out. But it's part of the gospel. We can't just believe the parts we want. It's part of the gospel. God, Jesus came to deliver you. The, the Hebrew word or the Greek word sozo means the same thing. It means, it means salvation. It means healing. It means deliverance. You know, it means making one whole, not just spiritually, but physically. So, you know, it's an important part of the church today. And when we realize that, the Spirit's going to move through the church. So, Genesis chapter 32. I think I got all my points. Um, Genesis chapter 32. Verses 22 through 32, which I said this is the third week in these ten verses. Um, let me read it to you. I'm reading from the King Newton, modern King James Version here. Okay? And I'm going to substitute who, who we're talking about because it's bouncing back and forth because there's a conversation going on. And he, Jacob, that's Jacob, rose up that night and took his two, son, two wives and, and two slave women and his eleven sons and passed over the Jabuk. He, Jacob, took them and sent them over the stream and sent over all that he had. And Jacob was was alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Now, this is an appearance, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. You can go down to verse 30, just real quick, just to prove that to you. Jacob called the name of the place Face of God, which is Peniel. I have seen God face to face. So this wasn't just an angel. This was the angel of the Lord with a capital A which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. You remember Abraham saw a pre-incarnate Christ, you know, whenever the Lord came down with two angels to see if the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah was as bad as they say, as he was hearing. And he found out so. And Abraham recognized him and bowed before him. And that's when he told him he'd have a son. And Sarah laughed. She overheard it from a tent. You know, so uh, so we, this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. So from now on, I'm going to call the angel, you know, uh, this is the angel of the Lord. Verse 25, and when he, the angel of the Lord, saw that the man, that's Jacob, did not prevail, uh, did not prevail over him, he, the, man, the angel, touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he, that's Jacob, wrestled with him. And he, the man, or the angel, said, Let me go for the day's break. And he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go except you bless me. Verse 27, And he, the angel, said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he, the, the angel again, said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for 
Like a prince, you have power with God and with men and have prevailed. Okay, you know, Jacob's one of the patriarchs of the church. There's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob right now is, is going to face, he's facing the Lord, and he's wrestling with him. And Jacob asked, verse 29, and said, I pray you, reveal your name to me. And the angel said, why do you ask me my name? And he, the, the angel, blessed him there. The greater always blesses the lesser. So that tells you this was a great man. But here's what Abraham said, or uh, Jacob said. He said, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, which means face of God, for I have seen God face to face, and I have been preserved. Verse 31, and as he, Jacob, passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he limped upon his thigh. Therefore the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh, of the thigh which is on the hip socket, until this day. Because the angel touched Jacob's hip pocket, the sinew of the thigh. So that's the passage that we're in today. Um, last week I showed you in this passage there's three crossings. Three crossings. There's the crossing of the Red Sea. The crossing of the Red Sea. When Israel crossed the Red Sea, um, they... They crossed the Red Sea with a multitude of, of redeemed people. Some, some scholars say two to three million Hebrews came across the Red Sea. They came across with a multitude of redeemed people because the Lord just redeemed them from the slavery of Egypt. Then they, got to, they were supposed to go through the wilderness, in, cross the Jordan River, and go into the promised land that was promised to Abraham. So the Jordan River crossing, you, you know, they crossed 40 years past when they should have because the generation was unbelieving. So they crossed the Jordan River when they did cross 40 years later, and Jacob and Caleb were the only ones that were allowed to cross into the promised land after the generation was, had died in the wilderness because they were unfaithful, they were complaining, you know, they just didn't believe. Joshua and Caleb led a victorious army into the promised land, and as you know, he conquered Jericho by marching around the city seven times. And the walls fell down, straight down. They didn't fall over. The soldiers went right over the rocks, didn't have any obstacles in the way. And the only place that stood still was Rahab's place because she hid the, she hid the, mess, the, the uh, messengers from, from Israel. So she uh, received, she was showing her faith there by saving these messengers. Now, the third crossing is the Jabuk, okay? Abraham had to cross the Jabuk to get there. He left his family on one side, crossed the Jabuk, which is a tributary of the Jordan River. He crossed over the brook, but he went there alone. So the crossing of the Red Sea is with a multitude of redeemed people. The crossing of the Jordan is with a victorious army. But the crossing of Jabuk for Jacob was he crossed it alone. And it's something every believer has to cross. And they have to cross it alone. 
So that's where I'm, I'm going to take off from there. That was a little review on last week and the week before. So the third crossing is the crossing of the Jerbuk, and he crossed it alone. You must, be, you must face this crossing alone. You can cross the Red Sea with a mighty multitude of a redeemed people. You can cross the Jordan with a victorious army. But when you cross the Jerbuk, you cross it alone. And that's where he went over and he was met by the angel of the Lord. It's not like the Red Sea where they conquered, they crossed together. Or not like going in with a mighty army. But each and every believer must cross the battle of the Jerbuk of their sin alone. You have to face your sin alone. You, let, you can confess it before God. Like many tributaries, you think of this, into the Jordan River, there's many tributaries, but this one here, your book, you know, is, is alone. It crosses in, doesn't meet any other. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The Allegheny River meets the Monongahela River and forms the Ohio River. That's the three rivers, you know, where I am from. Well, that's what's happening here. He has to cross this river also. There will be no counselors. There's going to be no friends. There's going to be no helpers. This is a private war between you and God. And that's exactly what Jacob did. I named this message, Jacob's death to self. Every believer has to die to self alone. You can't cross over on my faith. You can't cross over on anybody's faith but your faith. This is a private war between you and your sin to please the Lord. So Jacob was left all alone, verse 24, and there he wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now we know this was the angel of the Lord. Certainly the angel of the Lord had more, more strength than Jacob. But the angel of the Lord let him wrestle with him because he had something... He needed to, to prove something to him. And just like you, before you became a Christian, or even if now you're contemplating became a Christian, you are wrestling with your sin. You are wrestling with the, the Holy Spirit, really, who's trying to tell you that you need a Savior, Jesus, and you can only cross that alone. You can't go on mom and dad's faith. You go on your faith alone. Jacob was troubled, as you well know. He was a desperate man. This is where God is going to deal with Jacob about his sin. He wasn't a real, he, he came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac was his father, but he wasn't a super holy man. His name was, as we saw in this passage, his name was uh, Jacob, which means deceiver or, you know, just deceiver or supplanter. And God changed his name to Israel, which means God you know, um, uh, ruled by God. He was ruled by God from this point. So he went from being a so-so Christian to being absolutely ruled by God. When he left this place, I would call it being born again in the Old Testament, like you would say, serve in the New Testament. He, he came there, you know, as a filthy, dirty, sinful man after he wrestled with God. And as we wrestle with our sin, we become clean. And we confess it before him. You know what Jesus said, if any man wish to come after me, let him deny himself alone. 
Take up his cross, not your cross. If any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. You follow Jesus alone. You know, though it, you know, your families may turn away from God, but you're following him alone. Jesus said, if you love them more than you love me, you're not worthy of him. This is God. God takes a separate place in everybody's heart and mind. Jacob was troubled. At this point, he was desperate. And as I always say, which came from Derek Prince, you know, deliverance is for the desperate. You want delivered? Like I taught a couple weeks ago, you've got to be desperate for it. And you will deliver. If you're desperate for conquering alcohol, or you're deaf, deaf, uh, deaf, what can I say? You're desperate about conquering the crack that you're smoking or the pornography you look at or, or whatever. You know, you have to be desperate about getting rid of it. Because the devil will be there every step of the way putting that right in front of your face. And believe me, I know. After 44 years of being a Christian. This is where, Jesus, where God deals with Jacob about his sin. He was going home. Last time he saw Esau, his brother, who he tricked out of his birthright, Esau wanted to kill him. He said, Esau said this, as soon as dad dies, that's Isaac, as soon as he dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. Okay? But you know what? Jacob lives like a lot longer than that. He thought he was going to die right away because he was blind and all that. You know, when Jacob deceived him. And he thought that dad was going to die soon, but dad never died. And of course, Jacob fled to another land. So it was twice as hard. He's going home now. He don't know if Esau, his brother, is going to kill him or what. Esau, it was reported to him that Esau's coming with 400 armed men. And Jacob sent herds ahead. He's trying to appease Esau trying to appease him. He sent donkeys and, and sheep and all that over, food over to his brother to appease him so he doesn't kill him. So he was at a crossroads in his life. He was going to die, but God met him. And also, his wrestling with the angel of the Lord also created a new character in him. He left there. You know, and I said last week, I believe, Billy Graham says, come just as you are. But when you leave, you better not be as you were. And when Jacob wrestled with this angel, he was no longer who he was. He knew he saw God face to face. He didn't see God in all of his majesty or he would have been consumed. But he saw the angel of the Lord the Son of God, pre-incarnate. And now you know many people have seen Jesus in their dreams. I have. I've seen him in my dreams. I'm still alive. I didn't see God in all of his majesty and glory. I thought I would have been consumed. And Jacob knew it. But he, you know, they didn't know much about the Trinity back then. You know, but he knew it. And he knew that he better, his character has to change. And I mentioned to you last week, you know, he was given a new name, which is Israel, governed by God. He is now born again, Old Testament style, and understands who God is, just like Abraham, his father, 
his grandfather did. Jacob was returning home, not just physically, but spiritually on this trip. Because his brother was coming out after him. Jacob had matured. He was in, in the foreign land for 20 plus years. And in those 20 years, he, he became, um, what can I say, matured. But he, he wasn't matured in deception like his, his uh, father-in-law Laban. Laban had tricked him so many times. He changed his wages like 10 times. And he kept on cheating, cheating uh, Jacob. And Jacob er, had enough of it. And he was heading home. He had to work, remember, seven years for Rachel, but he ended up with Leah and had to work another seven years for Rachel, who was the woman that he loved. And then he worked for Laban another six years, you know, for his father-in-law after he got his two wives. He was humbled by his, his father-in-law just outsmarted him. It took another one that was outsmarted him and to do it, and he did it. And now he was matured. And now, after the wrestling with the angel of the Lord, he became obedient. And he crossed the Jabok River alone. And that's where he was born again. And now, after he fought with the angel, wrestled with the angel, he was now a humble, praying man. He listened, here, here listen to this prayer that he wrote. It comes from Genesis 32.10. This is Abraham, or Jacob talking, Oh God, I am not worthy of the least of thy mercies and of all the truth which thou dost showed unto thy servant. You see the emptiness now. He's humble. He's a praying man. He's going to meet Esau. And Esau he's afraid Esau's going to kill him and his two wives and all of his children and take all of his, his belongings. That's what he thought was going to happen. So right now he's calling on God. And every believer, I don't care if you're on the internet or you're here, you need to call on God. You need to face your sin alone. And then you can become a humble man. I said last week, you know, if you say you're not, you're, you're, you're a great person and you are not a sinner, you might as well just take your throne in heaven right now. But you're not. There's not a single person that is, that is holy and righteous except those that are made righteous by receiving Christ as their Savior. You're not saved by what you do. You're saved by what Christ did. Actually, I mentioned that the Jabuk River, actually the root word for Jabuk means emptying completely. After Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, he was emptied out. It took all his strength to hold back that angel. But that angel could have outpowered him at any time, but God did this purposely to get his attention, to get him to wrestle with his past and reject it and come against it and to be, be made new, a new character. He tried, just before he wrestled with the angel, he tried to think his way through this, this uh, problem that he has. He tried to think his way through through. He divided the cattle in separate groves, sent them to, to Esau. He sent gifts to him to soften his heart. And so he bombarded him with wave after wave, gifts of goats and donkeys and you name it. Now he wanted to appease his brother. In other words, he wanted to buy him off. After he met the angel of the Lord, things changed. 
after you meet Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will change. I know in my hometown, I, was, I wasn't a good guy. But I got saved after I came back from Vietnam. I got saved. And after I started a business, I let everybody know that I was a born-again Christian. And people from my high school would come up to me and say, I wish I could be like you, not ashamed of Jesus. And you know what? All those years of being rotten in the town in which I lived, everybody changed. They realized Joe met Jesus. And I was a different guy. I mentioned last week, or I don't know if it was here in the men's group, but I had offended this one guy really bad. He was about 6'5", went about 300 pounds, and it was all muscle. And I offended him in some way. He came after me at work, where I was working in a grocery store. I just happened to take the truck over to the gas station across the street to fill it up. And he came up to me. I recognized him right away. He says, Joe, I got a bone to pick with you. I grabbed a chain and a tire iron. <laughs> he said, you better hit me with that. I said, you're too big to miss. <laughs> so that's the kind of guy I was. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not that guy anymore. Neither was Jacob that guy anymore, the deceiver. He was now governed by God, just like you and me. If you receive Christ as your Savior, you are now governed by God. He is your boss. He is your Lord. Not only is He your Savior, Christians need to cross the Jabuk. A lot of Christians, they cross, they cross the Red Sea with the mighty redeemed people, and they join up with them. They go into the wilderness, and, and, they, and they get, what can I say? They, they stay there. They're satisfied. They're satisfied. They're complacent now. They escaped the army. They don't care. They escaped to Israel or, or Egypt. They escaped from him. But they never get across the Jerbuk where they dealt with the sin themselves. They need to get there. They need to get there. They need to deal with their sin. Jacob came to that place in his life after he wrestled with the angel. Multitudes of Christians today are living in the wilderness. They've never crossed over into the promised land. Because they're satisfied and complacent for where, where they are in life. It's time to go beyond that. God doesn't just want you to be saved. He wants you to be, he wants to be your Lord. So you can obey him and go into all the world and make disciples. That's what he wants. A lot of Christians today place fear over faith. And we need to stop that. Perfect love casts out fear. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of love and power. Power and a sound mind. So when the devil tries to trick you with the sound mind, you go back at him with scripture. You can't form a weapon against me. Jesus defeated you at the cross. They never cross over to that point. They actually think that if I go out of the house, a, a devil's going to get me, a lion's going to get me in the way. No, you're a child of God. 
If there are lions out there, they're chained back not to touch you unless you go off the path. Once you go off the path, you open the door, and you're there, you could get into big trouble. No. You don't place faith. You, pay, you don't put fear over faith. You put faith over fear. Jacob had a new beginning. He had a new start. He had a new character. And when you get born again and receive Christ as your Savior, you have a new beginning. It's called being born again, a new life. By the way, that guy that came in, with the, I grabbed the tire and chain. About 15 years later, he came into my business. And before he got there, the Lord was speaking to me about him. I mean, this was a long time before. I was a teenager. That was before I went to the army. He came before I, I'm working and I'm working away, and this guy keeps popping into my mind. And I'm saying, Lord, what's this all about? Next thing you know, he's walking in my door. As soon as he came in, I said to him, I was just thinking about you. And he said, What are you thinking about? I said, I was thinking, I owe you an apology. And he forgave me right there. And I did. I, I was the wrong one, not him. And he, I apologized, and God made it good because he knew I changed over those years. Because now I'm a Christian. Everybody in my town, it's only a town of 3,000, everybody in town knew my business, and they knew me for the most part. They knew I had changed. We have to confess our sins. We can even weep as we confess our sins. There's a difference between confessing and repentance. Let me read it to you out of the Bible. I'll read it out to the Bible here. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. So here, this is verse 10, 2 Corinthians 7. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. That's a powerful verse. Not, I mentioned, uh, I don't know if it was a men's group yesterday or what, Judas was sorry. Peter was repentant. Different. Much different. You've got to confess your sin, weep over your sin. You can try to think your way out of it all you want, but you, you still need to confess it. You can try different angles, different schemes, different justifications for your sins, different excuses, and it's all in vain because God already knows it. We think we're powerless against our overwhelming needs, but the Lord tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If you're hooked on crack, you can conquer it through Christ who strengthens you. If you're hooked on alcoholism or even pornography, Adultery, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Go to Psalm 40. 
the first three verses or so. I waited patiently for the Lord, as was Jacob's place, and he inclined to me, Jacob again, and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. And he put a new song in my mouth. Praise to God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Jacob was a teetering, tottering man, but God put his faith on the rock that day when he wrestled with him. And now he was a strong believer. God heard his cry to save him from Esau, and God's delivering him from him. Took him up out of that miry pit, pit and set our feet upon the rock. A lot of people, a lot of men and women today are stuck in the wilderness. They're stuck in this pit, and they can't get out of it. There's only one way out, on your knees. And call out to God like Jacob did. You can still plan your strategies, but if you're honest about yourself, God will step in and set you free. Two things must happen at your book. Religion must give way to spirituality. Too many churches are religious today. Too many. We need to get away from religion. That's what Jesus did with the scribes and Pharisees. You need to get out of your religion, and you need to move to faith. That's what Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus. Yeah, you're religious. But you need to come out of your religion into spirituality. And Nicodemus didn't have any idea what Jesus was talking about. What do you mean I need to be born again? How do I go back in my mother's womb? She passed a long time ago. How can I do that? So he's thinking not with he's thinking with his mind and not his spirituality. Religion has to give away to spirituality. You can be religious, but not at all spiritual. You know that? Mm -hmm. Jacob had a very religious experience at Bethel, Bethel just a few chapters back when he saw the ladder come out, out of heaven and angels descending and ascending into heaven. He had a spiritual uh, experience there. But he took it too religiously. He had to meet up with the Lord again in chapter 32. Genesis 28 says this, And he dreamed, this is Jacob, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached into the heavens, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. It appeared that God made a covenant there, a promise for maternal, um, what can I say, matern material blessings. Abraham was promised land, and people, land and people. That's what his, his mind is on here. But God wants to give you more than that. He wants to free your soul. He wants to set you free completely because Jesus came to set you free. Mainly not from Rome, not from your boss, but from your, the sin that holds you back. He came back to 
to, uh, to give you spiritual blessings. Jacob called that place Bethel, and he proceeded to make a deal with God. Listen to this. This is Genesis 28, verse 22. Verse 20 and 22. Listen to this. First word, if, if God will be with me, I'm not going to do nothing, God, but if you're, with, if you're with me, I'll change my actions. And will keep me in, his, in this way, then I will go. And I will give, and give me, God will be with me, keep me, and give me bread to eat, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. He's making a deal with God. How many people try to make deals with God? You know who's going to win that battle? It's not going to be you. You're making a deal with God. And then he goes on. If you bless me, I surely will give you back a tenth. Now he's promising money. If you bless me, I'll give you money. God don't need your stinking money. I have people tell me all the time, you mean you pay all this rent down here and you, you could, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, see that guy over there? He just got saved. You see that guy over there? He just got saved. See that woman there? She got saved. See that person there? They just got delivered from demons. You see that? You know what? What's a soul worth? It's worth more than the rent we pay here. Way more. It was, its cost is the blood of Christ. The blood of God Almighty himself. God don't need your money. That's why you, you, you are going to be walking on streets of gold in the kingdom of heaven. Here's what, how many ever heard of Keith Green? Uh, pretty much everybody. Keith Green, he was a Jewish convert to Christianity. He died in like 1985 in a car and a plane crash. He was bringing food and clothing to people in Mexico, I believe. He wrote this song, it's called Asleep in the Light. Do you see, do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care, don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb when you've not to care if they come? You close your eyes and you pretend the job's done. Here's what, then it goes on, next verse. Bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. You know, that's all I ever hear. No one aches, no one hurts, no one even sheds one tear. But he... The Lord cries, he weeps, he bleeds, and he cares for your needs, and we just lay back and keep soaking it in. This is the church today. You're going to go see Jesus' revolution with Chuck Smith? He didn't want a bunch of hippies in his church. God didn't care if you're a hippie. He don't care if you have tattoos all over your body. He doesn't care. He wants your soul. He wants your soul, not, and he wants you, the church, to care about these people. Chuck Smith had a problem. It was his wife Kay that said, we need to minister to these people. And finally he caught on. And they ministered to the people, even if it took the carpet out of the church. Carpet doesn't cost anything compared to a man's soul. And now you've got great teachers out there in the biblical world like Greg Laurie and Real Reese and David Gusick 
and Mac, Mac, Macintosh preaching the gospel all through California and Oregon because it needs it. <laughs> Florida needs it too right now. But you can't. God, God doesn't. He wants to bless you without you saying if I if you do this or if you do that. He wants to bless you anyhow. Familiar prayers today are bless me, Lord, prosper me, Lord, give me plenty to eat, Lord, clothe me well, Lord, take good care of me, Lord, and then I'll serve you. You come to Jesus just as you are. You don't serve him because he gives you stuff. You serve him because of who he is. This is God Almighty. That may clothe himself with flesh. Hebrews 1, 5. Clothed himself with flesh and came to down amongst us to serve us. Then I'll pay my tithes. You do this, Lord, I'll pay my tithes. God doesn't need your tithe. Freedom Church might, but God don't. He names this place. God is in this place. The heavens were opened probably once again like that ladder coming down from heavens. Angels appeared. God speak. The angel of the Lord was there. What a supernatural religious experience he just had. But after the second experience, he was changed. He was a different man. His name was changed. His, he had a new beginning. He had a new start. Even though this was a religious experience, Jacob tried to deal with God, but not anymore. Not anymore. The application for us today is our covetous spirits interprets God's promises in a materialistic way. We're not supposed to. We talk about the power of Christ's shed blood. Then we go as far as to desecrate and and the precious atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, using high-sounding religious words. That's what the scribes and Pharisees did. This is a tragic misinterpretation of what his sacrifice really accomplished. His sacrifice. Now, you think about that every Easter or Good Friday. Listen, his sacrifice. This was God's blood falling to the ground. Hebrews 10.29 says that how much severer punishment do you think you'll re receive if you trample underfoot the blood of the Lord? I simplified that in a paraphrase. How much you think you're, you're, you've rejected Christ? Jacob received Christ as he wrestled with him. He knew who he was by the end of things. He saw the face of God. He saw God face to face. Listen, how much closer can you get if you're wrestling somebody face to face? He recognized this was no ordinary man. And we need to recognize, all Christians need to recognize, Jesus was no ordinary man. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. His 100% man paid to, his, uh, brought us to, to him being a person, a real person. He wasn't... Some, something that didn't exist. 
which a lot of some churches say he didn't. You know, he was a spirit. No, he came in the flesh, and he dwelt among us. A lot of people just come to God to see what they can get out of him. God wants to give you everything. But you've got to be ready for it. He's not going to give you a two-wheel bike if you can't even ride a tricycle. That's just the way it is. He's going to give you what you can handle. When his blood was shed on the cross, this angel of the Lord, that ground blood ran down the cross, it hit the ground, the very earth shook and quaked. sky grew dark. Three o'clock in the afternoon, it was like midnight. To the point where the centurion saw him forgive those who put him there, and he said, surely this is the Son of God. Jacob said, surely this is God's face. I'm wrestling with the Lord. We can't be blind to the true meaning of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. His power over sin. My question to the church is, whether you're here or online, are you growing spiritually? Are you? Be honest with yourself. A lot of preachers and teachers and even Christians are stuck in the, in the wilderness they can't get to the promised land. All they want is land, food, clothing, prosperity, success. How about these souls that are dying? That's what we need to reach. At Bethel, when the ladder was there, the flesh was in control. But now, Jacob is in control, now that he knows the Lord. Now, point number two, because of the, the, the Jabuk, not only, well, let me go through number one. Remember, number one was religion must give way to spirituality. Here, number two, two things must happen at Jabuk. You must absolutely surrender. Absolutely surrender. You put up the white flag and say, I surrender, Lord. You've got to surrender totally and completely. And you remember, deliverance is for the desperate. If you want to surrender, you've got to be desperate for it. You have to come to the end of yourself, just like Jacob did. On one side of the river was Esau, and he was closing in. On the other side stood the Lord himself with a multitude of heavenly witnesses, answering his prayer to be saved. Because Esau was coming. Jacob thought it was the end of the line, but God's going to do something else with it. Outside of a miracle, Jacob's as good as a dead man. For over 20 years, he had deceived and bluffed his way through everything. 
Now his sins were exposed. And you know the scripture. Your sins will find you out. That's all there is to it. He's been bluffing for 20 years. There's a lot of Christians out there that have been bluffing just like Jacob. Thinking he was a believer, but he wasn't. Because he never crossed over to the, the Jabuk. And he has to cross over alone. You have to go to God, you know, and say, God, forgive me. This, the, the things you don't want to repeat to anybody, you repeat to him. If you confess your sins, you know he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. He was completely desperate. Jacob, you, me, have to finally face reality. In life, there comes a time when God can no longer keep back the wages of your sin. You must face the reality and you cannot go on living this way. God doesn't have an open-ending license on you sinning. We need to back off. I am preaching to myself, Cryer, just so you know that. Here's our theme verse for this church, really. One of the verses out of Galatians 5.13. For you when called the freedom, brethren, but only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We need to face the truth. We are sinners. We need to confess our sins and all the ugly details of it, just like Jacob. I wrote this prayer. You don't have to pray it, but you can believe it. Oh, Lord, I am an adulterator. I'm a fornicator. I'm a wretched sinner. Have mercy on me and forgive all my sins. Paul, Lord, may have been the worst sinner in his day, but I'm the worst sinner in this day. I'm not the people, I'm not who th people think I am. I know I'll be exposed. Surely my sin will find me out. Numbers 32, 23. If you're guilty of one sin, you're guilty of it all. That's the way you should approach the throne. You're guilty. There's no way about it. Oh, I say all the time, even if you think you're holy and obeyed the 613 commandments, you still have this, the original sin of Adam and Eve. You can't win for losing. It's impossible. You still are plagued with the sin of Adam and Eve. You come to the Lord as you are, but you don't leave as you were. You leave a new creature for anybody that comes to Christ. Therefore, if any man comes to Christ, he's a new creature. Jacob's old things have passed away, and everything has become new. His name is now Israel, governed by God. You need to, our Lord wants to change us, make new peoples out of us, give us a new heart and clean hands. He wants to change our character. And it only took one desperate night for Jacob to face the truth. One night. One night of struggle with the old nature. Jacob had it 
out with the Lord, and he prevailed. The Lord saw his desperation, and God answered his prayer. And of course, you hear Jacob saying, basically like Isaiah, Whoa, I am undone. I've seen the face of God, and I've been preserved. And he named the place Peniel, which means the face of God. Jacob is now a spiritual man. And no longer should these Christians, us Christians, wallow in the wilderness where we're half one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. You got to get all in. Jesus said, if you're, I would rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. It's time for us Christians to get out of the wilderness, get into the promised land, confess all our sins, believe everything that the word of God says and not play games with it. You can't believe one thing and not the other. And the verses are there to back it up. Number three, and it's my last point. The Jabuk is a place where heaven opens. I'll tell you what, when I was born again, man, the heavens opened. It was like a new day. I'm not saying that would happen with everybody, but it happened with me. The day I accepted the Lord, great peace came over me. I knew I was changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The heavens were open to me. Oh, I think what Isaiah says, I think it's chapter 64, the first verse. Oh, that thou won't rend the heavens and come down. Well, he did that day for me. Hit me like a brick, like I ran into a brick wall. And then I absolutely surrendered. God made Jacob and me a new person, and he gave me a new character, and I know he's given me a new name that he says nobody knows, and someday I'll know it. God will only reveal himself to those who get rid of their gow and trickery. Quit playing games with God. Enter the promised land. Once you enter the promised land, now God is on the throne. You no longer are on the throne at all. I'll end it there. The whole church of God, of Jesus Christ, is being led to Jabrook. It's time to face your sin alone, give it to Jesus, and come running to him into the promised land. Let's pray. Anybody wants needs the Lord, needs to pray, the altar's open. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for the like of life of Jacob. Thank you for the clear illustration of how he became a deceiver, was a deceiver that became governed by you, blessed by you, honored by you, loved by you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray today that there's people out there in, in the wilderness, I pray that they confess their sins and come to you that they might receive your peace. For your words is very clear. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like wool, uh, like, they like wool, they shall be red. Oh, I messed that up, didn't I? <laughs> come, let us reason together. God knows what I'm saying. Though your sins are red as scarlet, they shall be as snow. 
Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. May we come out of the wilderness, Lord, and all of the Christian church get into the promised land and let us have a revival here in America. And it starts with each and every one of us. And to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you, everybody online. I love you all.